In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. In the book of Deuteronomy, we have the measure to which we are called to love God. You know these words very well. Lord, we open our heart in prayer now with your sacred word and help us to live this, uh, this command from Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. And you shall bind them as a sign upon your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And thank you, Lord, for these words, which are at a level, of, you could say, beyond our capability, just to love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul, all our might. It seems almost impossible in a way. But then we go on to have these, uh, we could say, practical indications that the Lord gives us in this commandment. This is within reach, right? You shall teach them to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down, when you rise. Everyday life. We can strive to love the Lord our God to the full in everyday life. It's not an impossible. The narrow gate, yes, our Lord will preach. To love God with all our heart, to to be a saint, to strive to be a saint, that is the narrow gate. Certainly have to go against the grain, go go against the old man in us that St. Paul refers to. But we can. And it'll be in these things, everyday life, with your children, when you lie down, when you rise, when you work. Have it around. Have Have this commandment at your fingertips on your doorposts, on your gates. It's down to earth. This command is not some dreamy ideal, but uh, well, St. Josemaria would say, love is deeds and not sweet words. And we're all called to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and our neighbor. We're called to love our neighbor as ourself. I think perhaps one of the ways we can bring this down to earth, this command, Practical. It's it's uh, in Saint John's Gospel, the account of the wedding at Cana, and I think the lesson we can learn. Well, of course, we always can learn from Jesus and Mary, but the lesson from uh, this context, I think, could be from those servants. 
know the scene. They've run out of wine. Mary notices that. She mentions it to Jesus. He seems hesitant to perform a miracle. And what happens next? His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now six stone jars were standing there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. Usque ad sumo. That's the lesson we can learn from the servants in this scene of Jesus' life. They fill them up to the brim. That's where our love has to be. Our charity with others, our, you know, our everyday work, from the time we rise to the time we go to bed, and from the time we go to bed to the time we rise. Yes, Lord, we will try to love you, usque ad sumo, up to the brim. And how is that? way in my life? Am I imitating these servants, which uh, there seems to be a, a good amount of freedom on their part. Uh, St. Uh, John mentioned that these uh, uh, jugs, these jars, can hold 20 or 30 gallons. It's a ballpark figure. And uh, I don't know if you've ever carried a jar filled with 20 or 30 gallons of water, but it gets pretty heavy pretty quick. And these servants filled them to the brim. In a way, they could have taken the easy way, right? He said water. Fill them up with 10 gallons, 15 gallons. A lot easier to carry. He won't notice. No, on their own initiative, they do their best. They give their best. I think that's what our Lord, that's what he's asking of us in, in our love. Our love for God, our love for our neighbor. He's not asking impossibles. But yes, we are called to give our best. I suppose in a way, there's a bit of foreshadowing here in this scene with, uh, with the Last Supper. In the sense that Jesus, again, in his teaching, calls the apostles and calls us to, to give our best. The stakes are high. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. There's the usque ad sumum, up to the brim of the Last Supper, of the commandment of love. And our Lord, of course, will go on to do just that a few hours later, in giving his life, his very life for us. This great love that Jesus shows by suffering and dying for us. We who are sinners, it's hard enough to offer one's life for an innocent person. We read in scripture, but we as sinners, and our Lord loves us so much, he's willing to die for us. He lays down his life for us. We want to do the same. We want to live that way. We want to imitate you, Lord. We want to be Imitators of God, in the words of St. Paul. It is not I who live, but the Lord who lives in me. It's, it's Christ who lives in me. That's, I, I want that. As a Christian, I want that. 
I'm so far, Lord, forgive me. I have so, such a long way to go to love you with all my heart and all my soul. But I'll keep trying. But I'll use the means. Prayer. St. Jose would say prayer. In the first place, prayer. If we're going to fill our jars up to the brim in our efforts for holiness, well, we have to pray. Come, Holy Spirit, enlighten my mind. Set my will aflame. Teach me your commandments. We need interior life. We have in one of our the, the Christian writings. Because no one can give what he doesn't have. We can proclaim Christ fruitfully only if all our faculties are imbued with Christ. Now, only if we're filled up to the brim with Christ. Only with interior life. By the power of love, can we overcome all the obstacles? A lack of time and means, being short on resources and human talents, discouragement when fruits are long in coming. How is all this possible without a vigorous love for God, ever-increasing charity, a deep interior life? Indeed, we can't give what we don't have. And that's why, Lord, that's why we're here in prayer. We take some time to pray. We've recollected ourselves. We've asked the Lord for help in our prayer. Our Blessed Mother, St. Joseph, our guardian angel. It's important to pray. We, we need to pray. We, we need interior life. We cannot give what we don't have. And we want to give a lot. We want to be like those servants who are willing to help. Things turn out great at that wedding. They have wine. Our Lord performs the miracles. The Lord who does all things, but he did ask the cooperation of those servants. And our Lord asks for our cooperation every moment of our lives. The harvest is great. The labors are few. He preaches. Well, here I am. Lord, I'll try to be a laborer in your field. And therefore, I'll strive to have interior life because without interior life, I'll, I'll I'll be a farce, really, a fraud. Sinners, yes, there's room. That's just the way life is. We are sinners. But that doesn't mean we're a fraud. It's going to keep, keep trying. We begin again and again. A lot of hope. Jesus loves us. His mercy endures forever. So we can't let that knock us down when we see our faults, our sins. But we do have to get up. And we have to strive to fight the good fight. St. Paul. St. Paul had his faults, his... his, his uh, the thorns in his side, perhaps some moral difficulty he was struggling with, but he struggled. and He, loved, he truly loved God. He strived to love God with all his heart, and all his soul, all his mind, all his strength. And he went here and there. He preached. He suffered. He counted on the Lord's grace. He didn't complain. He writes to the Romans, I consider the sufferings of this present life not to be compared with the glory that awaits us in heaven. That's, that's the measure we strive to live in our loving God and loving our neighbor. And, and frankly, in our effort to be happy. Love, holiness, happiness, all one thing, really. And the saints got it. That's the, 
They saw that. That's the way they tried to live. St. John Chrysostom, the golden tongue, one of his famous uh, verses from his writings, there is no greater joy on earth than forgetting about ourselves and seeking the happiness of another person. Is that my joy, to forget about myself, to seek the happiness of another person, which is the way Christ lived. Not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We must have the same mind as Christ Jesus. St. Paul writes, Am I striving to forget about myself and, and seek the happiness of the other? And not just not bother him, not just stay out of his way, not just push his buttons, but do I really seek his happiness or her happiness? Do I strive to create a, uh, a real um, yeah, domestic church in my family, my family life, and in my community, my friendships? And do I try to bring, really try to bring Christ there? Well, Lord, help me to forget about myself, because if that's not happening, it will just be a, a bunch of uh, single verses, and that won't, make, that won't make very good poetry. May 12th is the feast day of Blessed Alvaro, the successor of St. Josemaria as the head of Opus Dei. Very holy man. I was blessed to be with him in my studies in Rome. It's that calm, cheerful demeanor of a blessed Alvaro. And you could see how, how given he was to the other. He's, he's no concern about himself. And we've seen perhaps some of the footage of St. Josemaria get-togethers, and, and there you'll see Don Alvaro in the background, usually sitting on the couch or in the chair, and really paying attention, following along the get-together. There's one picture of one of those moments in particular that has always struck me. St. Josemaria standing engaged with the, the people there. I think it's a group of college men, I believe. Clearly something had just happened, something, some funny little interchange or statement had just happened, and St. Josemaria is laughing, and you can see some of the guys there in the background laughing. And, and they're behind St. Josemaria is, is Blessed Alvaro. And he is easily smiling. He's got a big smile on his face, looking right at the founder of Opus Dei. And it just seems to me that look, seeing that picture, seeing that moment, it, it sums up Blessed Alvaro's whole life. It's almost as if he's saying, okay, if he's happy, I'm happy. And that was his role. He was Saxum. St. Josemaria called him Saxum, like a rock that he could lean on. God had put him there, along the side, alongside Saint Josemaria to help found, to help Opus Dei go forward, and that was his joy, helping Saint Josemaria, and it, to see Saint Josemaria happy gave him happiness, and that's the way it is for any, any family. Hopefully, for our friends too, if we see them happy, that gives us a certain joy. My Ideas, my comfort, my, you know, my preferences really don't matter. If, if the other is happy, you, my, my brother, my, my sister, my parents, my, my friends, that should give me joy. As a Christian, that should give me joy. And, and precisely by looking out for the other, being attentive to the other, up to the brim, always with this 
sense of not just a halfway charity, it's a contradiction in terms. Charity demands a certain totality. I'm available. I'm there for you. Yes, like Jesus, I want to serve you and walk with you. And if the case may be, to suffer with you and to cry with you. That's a real friend or a real son, a real daughter. A spouse. Empathy. I've always been struck by the definition of empathy, just the common Webster's Dictionary. Really very Christian, or we find the Christian ethos in it for sure. Empathy, the action of understanding, being aware of, being sensitive to, and vicariously experiencing the feelings, thoughts, and experience of another. The action of understanding, being aware of, being sensitive to, what's going on in that other person's life, walking in his shoes. Here we are in these days of sheltering in place. Maybe we've had more opportunities. One of the silver linings of this unusual situation now that we're going through with the COVID-19, probably around people a lot, the same people, day after day. We should use that as an opportunity. See it as a gift to grow in charity in this way with these particular people, the person I have before me, not some dreamy other world group of people that I can, I would die for. No, it's this brother, this sister, this mother right beside me, this spouse. Do I have empathy? Can I put myself under their shoes? The action of understanding, being aware of the action, it, it, it takes effort on our part. A certain attentiveness. And that's, I think, what our Lord is demanding of us in, in Deuteronomy and in, in, at the Last Supper. Love one another. There's a wonderful book called Testimony of Hope by Cardinal um, Francis Xavier Antoine, Vietnamese Bishop's cause for canonization is being studied. He was imprisoned by the communists for 13 years in Vietnam. He was later released. He worked in Rome. Gave a, a retreat in the year 2000 to Pope John Paul II and others in the Curia. And after the retreat, Pope John Paul II said to him, write that up, make a book of the 22 meditations that he preached. And so we're blessed to have, he was obedient, and we're blessed to have this book called Testimonies of Hope. And in it, he, he refers to one of those moments in prison. A unique characteristic of Christian love is the love of enemies, an aspect that non-believers find inconceivable. One day in prison, I was asked, do you love us? Yes, I love you. But we have kept you in prison for so many years without a trial, without a sentence, and you love us? That's impossible. Perhaps it's not true. I've been with you many years. You've seen it's true. 
When you are free, won't you send your faithful to burn our homes, to kill our families? No. Even if you want to kill me, I love you. But why? Because Jesus has taught me to love everyone, even my enemies. If I don't, I'm no longer worthy to be called a Christian. That's the measure of Christian love. Love everyone, love your enemies. Usque ad sumum. There's no limit. Perhaps Cardinal Antoine, the Bishop Antoine at that moment, maybe he was he even had a certain empathy for those guards in other parts of his book. And then his memoirs of prison time is clear. He really loved those guards. I think some of them might have converted, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, he just, it wasn't a, it wasn't a fraud. His love was real. And here they are. I mean, you can see the logic of the way, the thought process of this guard talking to him. I want you to come and burn down our homes and kill our families. That's the mentality. No, I'm a Christian. Jesus has taught me to love everyone. Well, our situation probably won't be this dramatic, but the level, usquad sumum, that's, that's got to be there. And the little things of daily life, it's a, a little act of charity, a little act of service, overlooking uh, Someone apparently offending me, they probably don't even mean to, but I don't want to take it, I shouldn't take it too personally. Just let it go. Love, forgive, have empathy, have compassion. Seek the joy of the other. There's no greater joy on earth than forgetting about ourselves and seeking the happiness of another person. So I was impressed with a note a father of a young family wrote after his wife passed away from cancer. Young, young family, three kids, Shannon, wife, mother. And he, his words, his memories of his wife were shared. Shannon told me some weeks ago that she felt useless sometimes, just lying there in the hospital. So she decided that she would make it a point to talk to those attending to her, find out about their lives and build them up. Just saying thank you to them when they did something for her was something that it seemed very few people did. So she increased this and built it up to an art. It was not unusual to find four or five nurses in her room at 2 a.m. laughing and chatting. They all stopped by to see her and felt like family with her. I think she did a pretty good job of ministering to those who were ministering to her. It taught me a lot about how I ought to be on a day-to-day basis, no matter my mood or what might be going on. Indeed, just reaching out to the other. In this case, a woman suffering and she's the one who's helping the others to laugh. She's showing her appreciation for these workers, these nurses. This is 
This is some years ago. I, mean, I suppose in a certain way this could be happening in a special way during these days. And, and yes, indeed, we want to show our appreciation for the people working tirelessly to help you know, people in hospitals and in, in other places. Here in New York, here in New York City, we have the custom of the seven o'clock applause, the seven o'clock clapping for the health workers and those working on the front lines, or the delivery persons, the essential workers. Just a little show of appreciation, clapping or banging some pots and pans. Hey, you know, thank you. We love you. Yeah, that's, that's a certain type of way to say we love you. And like Shannon, this woman who did you know, pass away, she used her time to imitate Christ. Reaching out to the other. She wasn't I don't know, sort of holed up in her, her suffering. And, and of course, it's not to, we don't judge anyone who's going through any suffering. We pray for them and try to alleviate their suffering in any way we can. But, but here she is. Okay, how can I help those around me? And apparently the nurses, were ben- they benefited. Her husband benefited. It's taught me a lot about how I ought to be on a day-to-day basis. You know, seeing holiness in another person, seeing someone try to imitate Christ, seeing someone fill their life to the brim with charity, with empathy, with compassion, that helps the other. The lives of the saints, very inspiring. It's good. Maybe this time is downtime, or perhaps a little more, we have a little more time on our hands. Might be a good chance to pick up a, a book, A Life of the Saint, that we haven't read yet, and, or reread one that one of our favorites. But the lives of the saints are so, so powerful, so impressive. I, sometimes people, uh, you know, have some questions about the faith, about Catholicism, and to say the least, but they might have some complaints. Okay. Uh, there's always answers, of course, including, included in the answer is our own human weakness. That's, that's the answer to any questions people have about uh, you know, Catholicism. The theology is there, and, and so is the, you know, just the very reality of human nature. But one of the answers, it seems to me, a lot of times is, well, look at St. Teresa of Calcutta. Mother Teresa, just a faithful Catholic, loving God in her way, loving the other in her way, loving the poorest of the poor. There's a testimony of Christian life. Clearly someone striving to love God with all her heart and all her soul and all her might, in her way, the way God called her. But she did have a great effect, not on just those whom she was serving there in the streets of Calcutta, the poorest of the poor, but anyone, anyone who even saw her perhaps for a few minutes on a, on a video, on an interview, or just seeing her in action. It's, and she said in, her, in one of her writings, she said, each time anyone comes into contact with us, they must become different and better people because of having met us. We must radiate God's love. Maybe that sounds a bit, uh, I don't know, quaint or like a platitude, sugary. No, we must radiate God's love. In her case, often was touching wounds and 
blood and, and, and misery. And she was seeing Christ. In those, she saw Christ in those people. That's what we're called to do as Christians. That's what Cardinal Antoine was doing there in the hospital. That's what Blessed Alvaro would do with seeing people. That's what St. Josemaria would do. We, we see Christ and, and those around us. We, we should be quick to make an excuse for any faults that we might see and pray for them. And if, if the case may be, to help them, to correct them. Spiritual work of mercy. But above all, each time anyone comes into contact with us, they should become better well, because of Christ, because of you, Jesus. I want to radiate your love. I want to be a, um, a sower of peace and joy. And again, for that to happen, we need interior life. A prayer. Uh, our Blessed Mother here in this month of May, going to Mary, she helps us to love God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind. That's what she did. And again, the saints, the great example we have in the lives of the saints and so many unknown saints that just imitated Christ. When I was in Rome, some, um, some, when I was in Rome during my studies, there's a group of fellows from Italy who uh, went to Romania for a work project, a service project for a couple of weeks in some town. And it took, took a couple of days to get there. They had arranged along the way to stop at um, you know, some families' homes people knew in the area, just made some contacts along the way so they wouldn't have to spend money on, on hotels or whatever. And, and uh, one of the fellows mentioned he and a few others were assigned to this house, very humble, very poor home, just elderly couple. There's just two of them there alone. And they gave them a dinner. They, they arrived there in the evening. The couple gave them, were cheerful, gave them a little bit of soup. It wasn't much. and wasn't even all that good, frankly. It's just they did what they could. I mean, it was good to the extent that they could prepare it. But And then they showed them the bedrooms where the guys would stay. This bedroom, I think, they had pulled out and found a cot or something. And Well, in the middle of the night, one of the fellows got up to get some water and walked into the kitchen. And there was this elderly couple sleeping as best they could, sitting down at the kitchen table with their, with their heads on their hands there on the table. Yeah, I mean, they'd given up their only room, their only bedroom. They gave it to these three college guys to sleep, and they slept in the, in the kitchen. Didn't say a thing. But we do have opportunities to serve, to help, to, to try to fill the jars that God has given us up to the brim. You know, Jesus gives them some freedom. Fill the jars with water. That's all he says. It's up to you and me, my brother, to do so usque ad sumo. And in that way, we'll be on our way with the help of our Blessed Mother and all the saints to love God with all our heart and all our soul and all our strength. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.